to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and how it all goes wrong. Join us in a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. I'm Arman Maharaj. And I am C.T. Kelly. And today, Arman, I believe it's your episode. What have you brought for us? Well, today we have an example of a business failing that we are currently about to watch. We're at a rare moment where... Normally, we watch a company that is imploding or has imploded, and now we're at the mm-hmm. cusp of this one particular venture's implosion. Exciting. What is almost... Ooh, okay. What is very likely its final last death rattle, and that is GB News. Now, I mentioned this to CT earlier. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about this yesterday off mic. That's right. I don't know anything about Same. this. I'm curious if you've ever heard about this, Evan. No, not at all. Okay. I think that of all the Americans I've asked, none of them know about this network. I think the only person I know who knows about it is my one British friend. Mm-hmm. And token British friend. My token British all friend. all you can take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even he barely knows about it. So, GB News shows that bananas are not the only thing that rot when they're imported. This is... This is uh, very funny. Mr. Ross, very funny. One of my classic Banana Republic jokes. Sell super well <laughs> in the Cuban casinos. Uh, <laughs> but this is the story of someone trying to take what works in one or two other countries and sell it abroad to disastrous results and very public, shameful, embarrassing results. My favorite Mm, kind of results. Now, I'm going to start with some background because this is a story that does not make much sense if you don't know about the media landscape. Okay. Okay. GB News is the product of a lot of people in the Commonwealth or broader UK and Australian, New Zealand media spheres, taking elements of American right-wing media culture, especially opinion-based so-called reporting and uh, coverage, Mm -hmm. and wondering, hmm, how can we take this model and move it to the United Kingdom? And they're not the first people to do this, to think about this. By people, I'm talking about uh, hedge fund managers like Sir Paul Marshall, help start this venture, GB News. Or people like Angelos Frangopoulos, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it right, from uh, Sky News Australia. Uh, I'm talking about a host of right-wing politicians and media moguls across Europe who have been increasingly in the past five, 10 years looking at Fox News and saying, this is such an effective tool for spreading right-wing populism there's no way we can't at least try right, right, to make right. it work in our countries. And a lot of Americans don't know about this. This is one of those things where people who aren't watching this closely don't realize how much international exchange is going on here. But a lot of right-wingers in Central and Eastern Europe have been directly liaising with people in Fox News. Tucker Carlson went to speak at a new right-wing quote-unquote university in Hungary. Oh, yeah, he's buddies with Orban. He's buddies with Orban, yeah. And a lot of Americans don't know that. But yeah, there's a bit of evangelism happening right now, both on the mm-hmm. part of Fox and even more so people trying to emulate right. Fox. Well, and mm. Fox, like we could do a whole episode on Fox, honestly. Yes. And that's something that we've also talked about, CT. Yes. I think you are the kind of person to hit that project out of the park. I'm very, look- very much yes. looking forward to that. Now let's talk about Fox. What okay. makes Fox work? We've got a bunch of little hamsters running around on wheels inside the TV. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's exactly where it comes from. Yeah, there's, there's gnomes baking cookies up yeah. in a big tower somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's the Fox so cookies. whimsical. <laughs> it's, it's whimsical as fuck, bro. You don't even know. <laughs> well, first of all, Fox was enabled by the deregulation of TV impartiality and liable laws ah, in the yes. 1980s under under Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Great combination. Yay. It soon became much easier to get away with things that were flirting with falsity or outright lies on broadcast media compared to print journalism, which was still maintained to be held to a pretty rigorous standard of regulation and oversight. 
right? If the New York Times started publishing articles saying there's no link between HIV and AIDS, they would be severely censored. People would go possibly do prison time for things like that, you know, mm-hmm. pay or pay exorbitant fines. Yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that literally is what one of the people we're going to talk about later did in the UK. Oh, no. Because in the, U- in the UK, there are hey. no such laws. Uh, that mm. They're not the same type of laws that govern print. One of the important things to keep in mind here is American media has an inverse relationship to British news media in terms of how regulated print and broadcast journalism are. I see. They're mm. like the shadow to our sonic. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. It's funny. You took it right out of my brain. Um, <laughs> right, right. There is way more emphasis on keeping TV impartial in the UK. And very l- and the Chaos Emeralds. And the Chaos Emeralds, yeah. The Chaos Emeralds are scattered across the seven clans of the newspapers in the UK. And whereas in, in the US, right. uh, print journalism is pretty prestigious and re- also well-regulated. And like TV channels like Fox and MSNBC can go wild with opinion. And things that flirt, yeah. Well, it reminds me of the uh, Daily Mirror what a, incident. What, a, what was that newspaper? The celebrity uh, phone hacking, where they were literally like had access to celebrities' phones for that one newspaper. Yeah, talk about that. I think that was that might have been the Sun, or the Sun was related to the same company because the Sun almost went under because yeah. of that incident. Um, I am not an expert though. That's just purely. Hello, Noah. If you are listening to this, uh, do a quick Google search and put some fact-checking in here. Note from the editor. The News International phone hacking scandal concerned the publishing company of The Sun, but the paper that was sunk as a result was News of the World. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm dragging my feet here. Let's get moving. Uh, Fox, Fox started with Roger Ailes trying to, quote-unquote, offset the biased liberal metropolitan media with quote-unquote mm-hmm. fair and balanced what a hero. <laughs> <laughs> reporting from the right and it's much you'll see when gb news introduces itself they use similar rhetoric saying that we're the fair and balanced ones trying to get rid of these niceties that we've conceded too much to mm-hmm. woke right. culture urban metropolitan culture is a word that's used a lot metropolitan and so at first it was tough for Fox. It didn't make a profit. But they started to gain such a loyal fan base because they were going against the establishment in the sense of, you know, what they were doing as a very conservative, opinionated uh, journalism or, and, you know, yeah. work. They did start to get a, a very devoted, zealous base. And it was so devoted that they stopped paying cable companies to host their network and started asking cable companies to pay them, which was a kind of out, Ooh, which was outrageous, yeah. outrageous. Yeah. You know, it's like if you like, you know, pay for your electricity bill, but then one day you become such a big celebrity, you randomly become like a celebrity overnight. You go over to California Edison or wherever your provider <laughs> is, and say, mm-hmm. "You should pay me to give me electricity for my house because I, you should be honored to serve me." That's what Fox did to cable companies. <laughs> That's how that that's how powerful they became so quickly uh, up into the right. 90s, early 2000s. And they were do, able to do that because they had loyal followers who would pay subscriptions to them uh, and pay for all kinds of extra media services as well and, right. and would follow them and, and pay them directly. Yeah, you could, you could pay 20 bucks and every month they would mail you one of Bill O'Reilly's nose hairs. Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep that. And they put that was but they put them in their their sanctified reliquary. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, that model we're going to see is not going to carry over to the UK. Mm. In the UK, mm. we're going to see the media landscape is very different. One thing that we're very used to in the US is having a ton of channels, and of course today TV, as we know it, is dying. Cable news is dying. Whatever, but there's a mm-hmm. ton of competition between TV and journalist network providers right networks yeah right whereas in the uk there's really only about four other people in the game right now and a lot of it is taken up by the state media aka the like the bbc right right and recently sky news i mean not recently like uh, recently compared to the bbc Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i believe in the 80s uh, late 80s sky news 
started to come in, which was Rupert Murdoch's private venture to try to break in into the game. They, for a long time, made a loss. And I don't know if they actually ever fully climbed out of that to any great success. They're still in the game. They're still, like, recognized as, as a, you know, competent enough. Though um, they do vary a lot in quality across regions. And as we'll see, mm-hmm. the Australian, as is important to note, the Australian Sky News is far more right-wing and far more opinionated than the British Sky okay. News. Okay, okay. And Angelos, I can't pronounce his last name, Frangopoulos, I'm really sorry for any Greek speakers out there, who is in charge of that, thinks he could take that model to the UK. And if you know anything, do you guys know anything about Australian media, what the media culture is like over there? I, I understand that it's a little closer to America, but that's all I really know. Um, maybe. I would say that it's, if anything, it's far more centralized in a private way. And in, in, in the mm. sense that a few people, mainly like Rupert Mur- Mur- Murdoch, controls the vast amount of what can or cannot be said. To the point where Murdoch, kind of like her, the Hearst family... Right, in, its, right. in its heyday, could reach in and directly organize what is said where and how in newspapers and TV. And there's a lot less regulation than in the UK. And we're going to see that when Angelos tries to take his model to the UK, it is not going to carry over very well. And we're also going to see that the Fox subscriber model that I just mentioned is not going to carry over because subscribers simply cannot or rather, uh, viewers simply cannot give them as much money as American viewers could give Fox. Like, right, they're, right. Giving, they're only able to afford them maybe pennies um, for per viewer per, right. per they month. Right, they're, they're English. They have to work for days in the muck farms to afford a, even a single Bill O'Reilly note. It has, more to, has less to do with muck farm and more to do with competition, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> the, the price of beans on toast and whatnot. Let's move forward. So the people who own this this operation are, as I said, Sir Paul Marshall. Again, a lot of these investors are very, like, private, and we don't know a ton about their personal lives. Sir Paul Marshall... Yeah, with a name like... A first name like Sir? Yeah. Yeah, I, that does not surprise me. <laughs> and also, he co-owns it with the investment firm Legatum, which are both... That sounds like a villain from the Hitman games. <laughs> well, it's, it is a multi-billion dollar investment firm that used to own a quarter of Gazprom. So, yeah, nothing suspicious about that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing suspicious there. <laughs> um, God. And uh, they both hold it together in the holding company, Prospectus Limited. Uh, and it's funny, mm-hmm. none of the people who are in charge of this are, like, based in the UK. They're all foreigners controlling this company called GB News. It's really funny. Hmm. Legatum is based in, uh, I think, Dubai. <laughs> Nothing suspicious yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, the Saudis. Yeah, and it was founded by a New Zealand-based billionaire, Christopher Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> we are a normal media company. <laughs> Please trust our reporting. <laughs> so Angelosi met with a lot of people from Bloomberg and all these like business-focused news agencies to talk about their the, how exciting it was going to be. He said it was going to be the first major network to fight cancel culture in the UK. Nice. And that it would give a fresh voice. And they were saying things like, yes, the media establishment will be quaking in their boots when they see us coming. <laughs> right. For just pennies a day, we can send you a whole folder of Stephen Crowder's <laughs> nose hairs. Or, no, wait, it's, it's England, so it would be... Nigel we can send Pro. you a whole folder of, uh, of Paul Joseph Watson's yeah, nose hairs. Paul Joseph Watson, yeah. So I have this clip. Here's a clip from the article about the, the, the approach that the shareholders are taking to this. Introducing this model to UK would also be tough because the American market is more competitive. The UK only has three pay TV companies versus eight main cable providers in the U.S. In the U.S., Fox could possibly threaten to take its audience elsewhere. But with less leverage in Britain, that's simply not possible. GB News will instead have to rely on advertising and paying subscribers. While the station will be available free to air, it will also have a digital paywall to watch clips and shows online. Frankopolis has teased an additional online social element so that viewers can continue conversations on its platforms. Ooh, something to titillate the viewers. A little social media, perhaps? Hmm? Some content creator engagement? Evan, 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 they have content. They have online content. Ah, Aren't you excited, ah, boomers? Ah. <laughs> I, I love this tendency with, with like um, major like media providers, media networks, 
to try to create their own like social media networks that mm-hmm. they think everyone will flock to and like live their life on. Oh, fu- I get to be on Truth Social? Yes! <laughs> yeah, I get to be on like GB News' messaging app. Like, who cares? <laughs> so sad. Hey, uh, Evan, Evan, you haven't responded to my last, my last five messages on the GB News app. <laughs> God, I hope it wasn't anything really important. Really need to check that more often. <laughs> I've been poking you on the GB News Messenger. <laughs> what would be their version of poking? Uh, triggering. Triggering. Yeah, triggering. <laughs> I've triggered you 20 times. Respond. <laughs> Good lord. Okay, so so let's talk about the people that actually brought on to front this operation, the faces mm-hmm. of this yeah, yeah. organization. This is what I've been I've been interested in. So, so far. they brought in kind of, you know, a roster of your typical far right fringe of acceptable UK political sphere individuals. Right, right. They've, so it's three people and six divorces between Exactly. All four. So we've <laughs> got Michelle Dewberry. Uh, who or probably pronounced Dubri. <laughs> sounds like a no. It's probably pronounced like Dubri or something. But um, a former Brexit Party candidate. It does sound like a no. A former Brexit Party candidate. <laughs> Dan Wooten, uh, the former executive also editor. Also another gnome name. A former executive editor at The Sun. Again, the Rupert Murdoch connections are everywhere here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alexandra, and Alexandra Phillips, who is a former head of media at none other than UKIP. Ah, great. And then awesome. f- finally, the piece de resistance, we have Andrew Neil, the Scottish right-wing TV presenter known for his uh, position at the BBC Daily Politics segment for over 15 years. This guy is an interesting choice to front this operation for a number of reasons. So yeah. people keep comparing this to the American, to Fox News, to being the British Fox News. That's what people keep calling it. Even though that's mm-hmm. something that its founders have been hesitant to call it directly because they know Fox News is, at the end of the day, fucking insane. Um, right, right. But Deeply territorial. The thing with Andrew Neil is he's not a Tucker Carlson. He's not Bill O'Reilly. Right. Um, he's not crazy and unhinged enough to be compared to these people. And frankly... They couldn't choose a Tucker Carlson if they wanted to, because Tucker Carlson legally, in the fine print of, you know, their legal statements and uh, on their website, they say, oh, it's all, you know, what I'm doing is exaggeration and satire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I get to say this, this untrue BS. They don't have those loopholes in the UK. Right. You can't lie to someone and say on another website or another legal statement, that was all satire, it's not real. You can't get away with that. If you're misleading people, you will get fined or taken down or your license struck. Right. So they have to choose someone who is reasonable to some extent. And Andrew Mm -hmm. Neal is reasonable. In fact, he's so reasonable, even many Tories have criticized him and called him like, you know, have have claimed that he's not like a real Tory or not okay doesn't hold okay. the best interest of conservatives even though he's a very conservative man. Remember, I said someone I was going to talk about uh, in their media career claimed there was n- he claimed there was no link between AIDS and HIV. Uh, that yeah. is Andrew Neil. I see. He is not a stranger to conspiracy theory and lies. However, mm-hmm. most of those conspiracy theories and lies were done in his print journalism career mm, okay. that that is a place in the uk where you can get away with saying whatever you want pretty much but on tv he's a he's like dr jekyll and mr hyde he's actually best known in the u.s as the british reporter who flustered both ben shapiro and alex jones oh that's on live tv yeah. yes oh. <laughs> that's a that's a great video the ben shapiro one with alex jones he got him so flustered that Alex Jones kept talking over him and eventually started yelling what amounts to complete nonsense over everything he said nonstop until he closed the yep, interview. That's Alex. And with Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro demanded, demanded that he admit he's... Se- hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can I, can I make a guess? Can I make a guess? Guess. Because, okay, 
Alex Jones is when he's cornered, he just starts yelling. Like he just starts saying like free America or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Ben Shapiro. when he's, I am the Republic. I am the Republic. You're not going to take my guns. <laughs> but what Ben Shapiro does when he's cornered is he, he tries to relentlessly non sequitur to a different subject, right? He tries, like he immediately yeah. jumps to the what about ism to like, well, what about the border? What about the people coming over the border? Huh? Yeah. Like, so, okay. What, what, what was Ben's response here? So, after what amounts to very mildly, mildly probing questions, Ben Shapiro breaks and starts hounding him, hounding Neil, asking him to admit that he's secretly a leftist and then storming, and then storming out of the ah, interview. Ah, there you go. So I actually have, I have some of the, I don't want to make, I don't want to make our editor clip this on also just in case that we get, for some reason, copyright struck. Uh, so I have part of the interview for you because it's just so good. And it's, it's a moment where we can actually side with Neil. So I, <laughs> I, I have these quotes. Do, do one of you want to read with me? Oh, I will, I will read with you. Okay. Here, I'll do voices. It'll All right. be fun. I, I look the most like Ben Shapiro, so I'll read him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you do not look the most like Ben Shapiro. I kind of think I do. I look like if Ben Shapiro grew up in Portland. Armand, you're brown. I mean, Ben Shapiro's kind of, you know, he's tan. He's kind of like... Uh, you know. No, he's not. He's I feel tan. like CT needs to do the voice of Ben Shapiro. That was a pretty good Okay, okay. Impression. I'll hand it off to you. I'll hand it off to you. Okay. All right. Can I do scene description? You can do scene description. Yeah, yeah. Evan can do scene You description. can do sound effects. <laughs> do Foley. Do Foley. Or do cra- crowd reactions. <laughs> There's no Foley in a news interview. <laughs> yeah. No. Peter Sagal's in the background going, Woo! <laughs> Peter Sagal. Peter Sagal. Okay, okay. Also, yeah, I love that Ben Shapiro's initials are BS. BS. Mm-hmm. I never noticed that until now. It's just such a great, like, deconstruction. This is at the tail end of a 16 minute, 16 minute interview, live interview. Okay. And it's also very okay. clear Ben does not know who this person is. And ah, that okay. Neil has recently figured out who he is, but also did his research. That's the right, vibe you're getting. Right. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's, Are you ready? Let's, let's jump. All right. In. I'm not yeah. going to try to do Neil's Anglo-Scottish okay. accent, but here we go. Mm-hmm. Why is it that a bill banning abortions after a woman has been pregnant for six weeks is not a return to the dark ages? What's your answer? My answer is something called science. Human life exists at conception. It ought to be protected. Now, back to my question to you. You purport to be an objective journalist. The BBC purports to be an objective, down-the-middle network. It is obviously not. It never has been, and you as a journalist are proceeding to call one side of the political aisle ignorant, barbaric, and sending us back to the Dark Ages. Why don't you just say that you're on the left? Is that so hard for you? Why can't you just be honest? It's a serious question. Mr. Shapiro, if you only knew how ridiculous that statement is, you wouldn't have said it. I just asked you a question. And I asked you a question, and you failed to answer a single one of mine. Frankly, (laughs) I find this whole thing a waste of time. If you want to read the book and critique the book, why don't you read and critique the book? If you want to critique me, you can think whatever you want of me. Frankly, I don't care. I don't give, frankly, a damn of what you think since I've never heard of you. And I've never heard of you until I breached myself on this. But that's not the issue. You have a new book out. Then why aren't the hell are you interviewing me, sir? It's, a, it's an interesting book, but my point is your book claims that society... Well, it would be nice if you would quote it from time to time. I've done so several times, and I'm about to do so again, if you would just let me finish the question. Your book claims that society is turning its back on Judeo-Christian values. What are those values that it's turning its back on? I'm, uh, I'm not inclined to... I'm not inclined to continue an interview with a person as badly motivated as you as an interviewer. So I think we're done here. I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you for your time and for showing that anger is not a part of American political discourse. (laughs) Oh, man. It's basically Ben like fighting against himself. He was so broken by the end of that. He knew (laughs) Neil had the last word. Well, and that like... Having thank you for showing me that anger is not a part of American political discourse is like the English version of telling you to f- fuck off and die. Yeah, it is so good. He delivered it just dead flat. It was amazing. That from an English person is like the worst and, insult you can imagine. And Shapiro, Shapiro. Uh, to be clear, to, I'm sure Scottish people are typing comments right now. He is Scottish, 
But but yes, uh, Shapiro had already rage quit and checked out. So he basically mm-hmm. handed him his own sword of Damocles, basically. Right, right. So this is this is the guy at the head at the prow of the ship of of BG News, yes. GB News, whatever it was. So I was going to transcribe the Alex Jones interview, but it would take too much time, and also it was so chaotic, it would just be pointless to transcribe. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Alex. Also Jones. on the show, like Alex Jones had an English like sanity interpreter who was trying to like explain Jones's ideas in like. A civilized way, but Jones kept talking over him and ruining his chance to explain him. <laughs> anyway, my point is, uh, Neil is not totally crazy, right? And in fact, I mean, but the reason he is the way he is is because that is how you make it on British television. You ask hard questions, and you're fair to whoever you talk to because that's what what the regulations require of you. Right. And also, it's pro- promote a journalistic culture of accountability and fairness. Yeah. Right. That I think is great yeah. in, as far as broadcast journalism goes. And that's also why this project is going to fail. You either have to be, it's, you're either going to be too extreme or not extreme enough. If you're too extreme, you get your license revoked. And if you're not extreme enough, you lose your base, who are extremists. Yeah. Right, right, right. Now let's talk about the launch of this venture. And the launch was basically, it was for a time a Twitter phenomenon in the UK. It was one of these things, much like the release of Morbius, where the amount of attention that it got was not some kind of double-handed, like backhanded signifier of its future success. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So on launch... Uh, This is from a Newsweek article. Despite high ratings for the channel, a number of key advertisers have already removed their commercials uh, with Ikea, Nivea, and Grolsch among the companies to pull the plug. Not Grolsch! Not Grolsch! What are we going to do without Grolsch? It's a household name. Uh, Honey, hop in the Grolsch and be able to to pick up my Grolsch goo. (laughs) Grolsch mart. We need to to meet with our local Grolsch monger. Grolschmonger. God, I wish I had a Grolschmonger. Grolsch. I have no idea what Grolsch is. I'm, just, some, I mean I'm sure it's like some like uh, blood pudding provider or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like it's artisanal sheep yeah. guts made by people that don't know how to read. All right. The second part of that, that excerpt is Neil asked viewers in a monologue on launch night, it's a new way of doing news. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what? He said Are that? you serious? He set it up. <laughs> he set it up. What? You're dooming yourself right there. Yeah. <laughs> Even as a joke. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. You don't say that. Here is an excerpt from an article, also from 2021, after the launch. In the months leading up to the launch of Great Britain's newest television channel, GB News, its backers insisted that it wouldn't be a British version of Fox News. They were right in one way. Fox is a slick product with fancy studios and whizzy graphics. By contrast, when GB News went on the air Sunday night, it looked as though it had been filmed in an abandoned strip club, all dark walls and neon lights, (laughs) and suffered from poorly synchronized sound. Oh no, not a good combination. When the channel's lead anchor, Andrew Neil, concluded in an interview with the Scottish historian Neil Oliver, he said that he hoped to see Oliver again, Quote, and I promise you next time we'll get you a better microphone, unquote. <laughs> the next day, af- an, an afternoon host, Gloria DePiero, encouraged the channel's regional reporters standing at attention in four little on-screen boxes to say how happy they, they were that the channel had launched. They couldn't hear her. Silence reigned. <laughs> oh, oh <no>. my God. <laughs> Just staring... Staring blankly into the void. <laughs> Go on then, tell them how happy you are. It's always funny when there's a bit of a delay, uh, yeah. and but news then the delay just keeps going. But like you think when they're going to respond. It happens constantly. It looks like a YouTube poop. <laughs> yeah. It looks like I don't want to watch them now. It is so good. It is so good. Uh, it's and it was just a constant reel of like, what if Tommy Wiseau had a news channel? That's this show's first few episodes. I mean, a broadcast. 
Like, what happened? Like, like... Well, let me tell you. An abandoned strip club. That's right. brutal. So from the Bloomberg article that covered the release, the opening of this new network, it was clear from early on, from the somewhat smoothed over, kind of <laughs> nervous laugh press releases and statements from, <laughs> from Angelos, from the CEO, things are moving too fast. The investors were clearly pushing for this to release as soon as possible. We were drinking. You met my parents kind of accidentally. Like, because I don't know. We bought a car together. They dumped at least 60 million pounds into this, into its, into its investment. And there was clearly a lot more to go in. Like, these people have bottomless pockets. Right, but it's like 60 million pounds and they didn't have good microphones. For like, some, yeah. well, here, I'll have something to say about that. Ooh, okay. For okay. some reason, they were pushing it to release as soon as possible, even though they easily had time to wait. Like, the money was not oh, yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. You know, you know what the best thing that you can do for a film or television production is, Evan? Is cut the fucking timeline in half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make it... You have one month. <laughs> Mere months before they're due to debut, they had just started hiring people. They had just started hiring most of their staff. And they only had... At the time that this one Bloomberg article checked in with Angelos, they had 16 full-time positions filled. It's crazy. I, and so these people did not have time to train. That's not yeah. possible. Like, that's literally not possible. It's you really cannot crazy. make a, a TV studio that right. quickly. That <laughs> yeah. is impossible. I mean, there are some issues like, you know, America is going to have some advantages. American stations are going to have some advantages when it comes to money to drop on equipment. But it's not the equipment. They weren't using dollar store mics. They were just bad at their jobs because they didn't mm. have time and they weren't hiring people in a sensible, fair way. So yeah. a lot of these people's mics, they were working fine, but the gain would be turned all the way up. <laughs> oh, no. So it sounds like they're talking like this. <laughs> That's nothing what funnier. it sounds like for extended periods, and no one would fix it until they cut to commercial. I know. Just, oh, God. And cut to where the sound guy is supposed to be sitting, and he's just like smoking and looking at his phone. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Just for, some, just for some perspective here, Evan. How much time, like, if somebody handed you 60 million British pounds, how much time do you think you would need to set up an entire news station? <laughs> like, a just long in terms time. of production management, <laughs> like, three years. God, yeah. I mean, at least, like, <laughs> like six minimum. months to a year. Yeah. That is one of the mysteries of this story. I do not know why they insisted on pushing it out so fast. <laughs> Faster. And also... Faster <laughs> stories. They were not covering anything. The whole debut launch was them talking about the other anchors. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> news, news, news. We are on the news. We are doing the news. We're on the news. We are on TV. So, uh... It's literally people on TV saying, I am on TV. You're on TV. We're all on TV. <laughs> Isn't it nice to be on TV? <laughs> Isn't it nice to be on so TV. So I'm talking and you're hearing me right now. <laughs> 24 hours of that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And to, to boot, I mean, some of these people, I don't know who they're hiring, but they clearly didn't pass secondary school. Uh, there were numerous spelling errors on the title cards. <laughs> yes. And description awesome. uh, tags that would go on on these shows, including, including for the words minor, with an O, school, and language. Minor. School was spelled like school. Minor is spelled like a coal miner. And language was spelled like language. <laughs> written in a mad rush. They don't even speaketh our language. <laughs> um, yeah, oh my God. Uh, so, if that wasn't bad enough, things continued to spiral. As I said with Neil, there were a few problems with him. First of all, he was right wing, but he didn't have the invective and power and fear of someone like Tucker Carlson. Though they were, starting right. to, they were starting to build up a base and people were turning in who would be considered almost as radical as Fox News viewers. And we'll see that has consequences too later on. If you remember hearing about this um, voting machine company court case with Fox News. Oh, oh yeah. yes. And you read some of the, I believe, text messages that Tucker Carlson was exchanging with these people. Tucker mm -hmm. is afraid of Fox viewers. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. knows they are a loose cannon and he has to run to stay ahead of them. He, he sees himself as like 
the sh- as like the shepherd guiding a bunch of idiot sheep who might eat him. <laughs> exactly. And that is the same dynamic here, except the people here are bumbling oafs. <laughs> hey, hey, can you hear that? Can you hear that sound in the air? It's the sound of a future episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I, dude, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teeing this up so well for you. I I'm, cannot wait. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for when you hit it. So, Neil, he's kind of comes off as a little whiny instead of angry and indignant. Mm, wrong. Right? It sounds like he's talking to himself in the mirror. Furthermore, the half-baked team that's been attached to this project that routinely screws up basic things Uh, for example in the background of one episode or a segment i should say the entire segment got derailed (laughs) because someone in the background of the studio was banging something against the ground (laughs) (laughs) and you could hear it in the mic (laughs) i love how vague that (laughs) is just not something against the ground something we don't know what are you doing I have to destroy this chair on the floor. Why are you smashing a brick against the ground? Look, little things that would mess up. Like, something that they do when you have guests is you brief them before and after you record with them or broadcast with them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do this, do this. Have your mic set up like this. And they clearly were not doing that with their guests. Oh, no. And one of their guests, uh, yes. he was rocking back on his stool. And at the very end of the interview, he <laughs> fell flat on his back. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good clips like that. Oh, my God. It's like the, the wish or the bing of broadcast <laughs> right. journalism of the UK. Right. That's yeah. a consistent quality they're giving up. Now, Neil, he had two main segments he was on, right? One called Woke Watch. God. And another, Come on. And an, in, in which he would parrot claims about American stories, not British stories, m- largely American stories with false claims such as the one that's been making the rounds where Fox News hosts have been claiming California math textbooks say math is racist or having the right answer is racist. He would parrot these claims that are frankly not relevant to most people in the UK. Right. Right. Uh, He had that and another show simply called Andrew Neil. Now, guess how many episodes he made it through before he quit? Ooh, ooh, um, four. Evan? I'm going to say 15. 15. All right. It's somewhere in the middle. He made it through eight episodes before he went on an indefinite hiatus. Eight episodes. (laughs) One of these days he'll come back. Just you later, Mon. He fled to the south of France. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like the Vichy government? (laughs) Like the Vichy government. Yes, much like the Vichy government. And he said, like, oh, I'll come back at some point. I don't know when. And recently he said, yeah, I'm not coming back to that hellhole. Nah, yeah, no, 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 no. He'll be not. back. He'll Guys, be back. Don't you? He's going to come he, back, It's an right? indefinite hiatus. He's coming back, right? In a bid to bring back some talent to the show, GB started to inject a new slurry of well-known faces. Among them... <laughs> I thought you were going to say injected a slur. <laughs> <laughs> that, too. We'll see. There's some of that coming up. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> so they invited on Nigel Farage who ah, stayed around a barrage of Farage. long enough to lend his odor to the channel before moving mm-hmm. on to dragging himself along Donald Trump's coattails uh, and doing his own thing. So he stayed on for a while. Mm-hmm. And, he all, and also another even more, I think, unsightly and abhorrent presence appeared on the channel, which was Jacob Rees-Mogg. Do you guys know this guy? No. Nope. Inbred human turnip. Multi-millionaire, Etonian Tory MP. He's famous for wearing top hats to Parliament it, because it lets him exploit an obscure ancient rule that lets anyone with an ostentatious hat have the floor. Jacob Rees-Mogg is basically Great Britain's Lindsey Graham, both in terms of his <laughs> old blood aristocratic sensibilities and his mm. penchant for using obscure laws to get what he wants and block opponents. Like, he does things like he invokes laws that require all MPs, wherever they are in the world, to show up for a vote in person. Mm. Like, it's like when someone presses the emergency meeting button 
like uh, in right in right. Among Us constantly. He's that guy. I see. He's also well known for having a family nanny that still follows him around and takes care of him. <laughs> what? What? The woman who changed his diapers still follows him around and takes care of him. Is it Nanny McPhee? <laughs> if only. If only then she maybe she would smother him with a pillow uh, knowing Nanny McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Murderous Nanny McPhee. Uh, anyway, he's incredibly 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 horrible person and for a while he was a presenter until even he realized he was a rat on a sinking ship and and got out <laughs> wow. of there. The whole cycling of far right uh, British politicians through the show gave the impression of a bunch of confused substitute t- teachers trying to take control of a class whose teacher just had a mental breakdown. It, 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 <laughs> right. It made the sense of chaos seem even worse than it really was. Right. In this case, it's like trying to take control of a class where the original teacher never showed up. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it was nothing was going right in the first place. <laughs> I mean, uh, Andrew, Neil checked out in the beginning. Like, he knew that, where he was going. So to make matters worse, from the very beginning... GB News was dogged by anti-racism and anti-hate groups who were trying to persuade advertisers to boycott it because they knew mm-hmm. that it was going to espouse and it continued to espouse misogynist, racist, far-right rhetoric. Uh, and many advertisers agreed to this. And then, to make matters worse, their own viewers turned against them, their own base. Amazing. Oh, man, you mean, like, appealing to right-wing populism actually kind of turned against the media figures that were espousing it in the first place? How (laughs) shocking! Unprecedented. So, during this whole controversy in the UK, in which the English football team, you know, in emulation of, you know, American trends concerning Black Lives Matter and so on, started to kneel before their games. One of the sports presenters... Uh, whose name, I believe it's pronounced Guto Hari, took the knee on air. And I think... Oh. I'm not sure from the context. I'm not sure if he was doing it as an example or as a sincere expression. But that caused mm. everyone, like almost all of its devoted viewers, to turn against it and boycott it. And it got oh, so yeah. bad. I mean, his view count was already <laughs> low. But it got so bad that at one point... And you're, not, you're probably not going to re- read this. And I had to corroborate this. And multiple articles cited this. It reached zero concurrent views. <laughs> wow. Zero views. Like, there were Welsh children's, Welsh language children's cartoons that had higher viewership rates than this. <laughs> I've had Twitch streams with higher viewership rates than yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. you think there'd be like one person watching. 60 million default. pound investment. Zero viewers nothing nothing zilch no one even turned it on by accident (laughs) (laughs) now you might be wondering shouldn't this cause any network like this to evaporate why is it still around and i mentioned this at the beginning of the episode but they have so much investor money they couldn't sink if they tried but they're the way they're still a i mean they're running on nothing they have no no viewership they have like a, a boycott with most advertisers worth any serious money turning their backs on them. Both left and right hate these guys. And now they have what to date is eight concurrent investigations into <laughs> them uh, that, that could have the possibility to remove their license rights as a network. Woof. Nice. Uh, Ofcom, which is the... the body that's responsible for policing and regulating television impartiality standards has recently said that they've had thousands of complaints that they've lodged uh, against them for multiple different issues some of them as small as uh, i mean what is by american standards small having an unbiased or slanted portrayal of an issue on tv they had one mm-hmm. segment where they had two i believe two tory mps on um, or two Tory party members, and no mm-hmm. voices from other parties to discuss the issue. And that was a breach of their impartiality. And there was another wow. instance on the far extreme of what's totally not acceptable, where one of their, their employees, Lawrence Fox, who was an actor and right-wing activist, he did a lengthy, like almost hour-long tirade. I believe, actually, I'm not sure about, okay, don't quote me on the, the length, but it was a long extended t- 
tir- misogynist tirade against a particular female journalist, saying things like, no one would want to have sex with her, she's ugly, blah, 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 you know, oh my things God. like that. It's so bad that even people, people on the right in media and politics were condemning this guy. And actually, funny, shortly after they, they fired him, he got arrested for, like, threatening to destroy police property and other, like, other stuff. Shocking. Anyway, so they're just, like, trailing disaster. And yet, right. unless, we're at the point where unless someone legally pulls a plug on GB News, they will not sink. It's like when you launch an artillery barrage on a battleship and all that's less left is like the splinters of wood. Yeah, it's still floating because it cannot sink. It's just no longer a battleship. It no longer functions. It no longer serves any right. purpose. It cannot go under because it has so much ridiculously wealthy people behind it. Well, the whole point of, like, right. burning through investor capital that quickly is to, like, build a loyal audience. But, like, they're, yeah. even, they're just burning through it and, like, literally zero people yeah. are watching it. But here's the yeah. thing. If you look at Sun, like, The Sun, like, the newspaper, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, it makes no money. Worthless. I mean, he valued it at zero because it makes a negative return uh, every year. But he keeps it in place. Why? So he can use it as a mouthpiece. Rupert Murdoch does not care if it makes money. He wants to produce an audience, not satisfy one. And I think, this is me on my soapbox, that was always the point of GB News. Right, right. Although, at a certain point, you have to pay people's paychecks. Yeah. You know, like they're, do you know if they're public or private? Like, do you think, oh, do you know? Not off the top of my head. I would assume they're private if it's like investor. Yeah, I would assume they're private. I think they are. Yeah. But also that might not matter. Their funding might not matter much longer because they're about to evaporate. I mean, a lot of these these investigations are coming to a head soon, like in the next couple months or so. okay. Nice. And if they lose their license, they may be a, a short and embarrassing blip on the history of British media. Less than three years. Or, or they'll, they'll pull through and they'll finally generate that audience. Yeah. You know? Who knows? That, that 60 million pounds will, won't go to waste. Andrew yeah. Neil's going to come back riding a horse. <laughs> They're going to come back. <laughs> They're going to be forgiven by the right-wingers and the left-wingers. <laughs> it's going to be glorious. But the model now, the people they are trying to emulate Fox News, are themselves reaping what they sowed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? They themselves are facing some pretty bad legal consequences for their lies because once they get once you start lying you can hit the pleasure centers of your viewers brains as fast and hard as you want and they get addicted this again me on my soapbox Mm -hmm. yeah and they got so far in that they felt they had to keep lying to outcompete people like oan in america i'm talking about fox news right Mm -hmm. so even if they did not have such strict laws in the uk they would eventually hit something or destroy the social culture of the country or both. Right. But this is also a time when right, right wing news is in a crisis. Oh yeah. So Fox is in a crisis. GB is in a crisis. Also Pierce Morgan's show in the UK (laughs) called Pierce Morgan uncensored on launch. It had 317,000 views and it fell to only 60,000 views two weeks later. A oh tiny fraction. Oh, yeah. It's like the same fucking thing is happening to Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Like, yeah, he got kicked off of Fox and he had like, the, he had this crazy like private Facebook show that he's been, or like Twitter show, or sorry, X, X show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. You can kill me with. Boom. Um, so he had this, he had this private show and, you know, it did like, did like 2 million hits on the first episode. And then the next one had like 1.3 million. And he just keeps, he can't keep the audience. He's yeah. not keeping people engaged. Right. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these channels are like trying to compete with the internet and they just can't keep up. One, because they're like regulated and they're going to face consequences and lawsuits that like random YouTube channels spreading cons- conspiracy theories at like a breakneck pace are not going to face. So it's like you can yeah. literally, like if you're going to be, try to be that far right, like you cannot compete because eventually you're going to get so tied up in legal consequences that you just can't go on. And then your viewers are going to lose interest. Well, and what's, yeah. what's crazy is that it, it also happens to YouTube channels too. Like right. it's, it's like, they've just kind of decentralized the pipeline. 
that's hard to say, but it's like, it is not uncommon for right-wing, like, YouTube channels or whatever to get slapped with lawsuits or, like, thrown in jail yeah. for a couple months. Yeah. Like, that, the same thing happens to them because people, people listen to them and, like, go do something insane, like shoot up a pizza parlor or whatever. Yeah, right. And, it, yeah, so when, the more you look at it, these types of news outlets, these types of news networks, when they do what they do by promoting conspiracy theories and fear and lies, they're playing a game in which the game continues to change the more they play it. Yeah. And it gets harder mm-hmm. and more complex and d- demand higher inputs to the point where something has to break, either the game or the forces that keep it in check. Mm-hmm. Right? I, yeah. That, they, the eye of that needle only yeah. gets smaller and smaller. Things like January 6th and a rash of terrorist attacks after QAnon, that's part of the, the attempt to break the constraints holding the game that is mm-hmm. right-wing media, right? And now, mm-hmm. I mean, it's largely failed, and it's going to face serious difficulties that will require it to either be destroyed or limited or reborn in a fundamentally new way. Mm. And that's what we have to look yeah. forward to. Thankfully, I think the absence of news outlets like GB have kept the UK from forming right-wing groups similar to the populist groups around QAnon that, that buy into its lies and Fox Media lies. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's been a big part of stopping something like that happening in the UK, hmm. I th- in my opinion. Yeah. Again, Armand's still on a soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't happen to a nicer media conglomerate. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just hope that those laws stay in place and that God, the yeah. floundering floundering Tory government doesn't try to you know, loosen restrictions on on um, right. on media. And that's one thing uh, people on the center and left have been saying about the demise of GB News, which people are talking mm-hmm. people are talking about in the UK as a done deal. Um, they're saying, damn, I right. wish they could stick around for a few months more so that it would make the Tories suffer a little more as it go to elections. <laughs> right. Like, right. oh man, they were doing such a good job of making them look stupid <laughs> and keeping them right, divided. Right. Uh, right. Well, I mean, we will have to follow up yes. once these lawsuits go through because <laughs> that will be fascinating to see. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, everything I, I have to say. I, I hope um, that was interesting to you guys. Yeah. And I cannot great. wait to yeah, see where I, you take it with Fox, CT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's going to wrap us up for this evening. Thank you for the episode, everyone. We still haven't written an outro. Yay! Yay! We'll catch you next week, everyone. And remember, big things are coming. Big things, things are, are coming. coming. We love you.